0: What is that? Shit. Okay. Okay, this place is rigged. What do you mean it's rigged? What is that? It means I don't type a code into the central terminal and... Kaboom. That alarm, that means that we got three minutes before it gets awful warm in here. Uh, that's bullshit. They look like I'm lying to you. You really want to take that risk? What's the password? Only takes a retinal skin. Oh, you really want to die together? Come on! Hey, welcome to Panels to
1: Pixels. Uh, This is episode three. We're continuing our... Episode talks about the Punisher Netflix series. We're doing episode three, which is titled Kandahar. And I'm going to leave it and announce our guest host, Steve Brown. Steve is actually going to explain the episode and what happened in some sort of small detail. And then uh, we'll actually get into our top five after that. Steve, take it away.
0: all right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mark. Uh, so Kandahar uh, starts out with almost right where the last episode left off with Frank uh, has Micro and he's going to torture him to get information. He thinks Micro is trying to uh, bring people, show people that he's alive. And it's almost a, a partially a bottle episode really between Frank and, and Micro and then flashbacks to Frank when he's at, I'm assuming Kandahar because that's the name of the episode. As we find out the operation that Frank was involved in called Operation Cerberus, which was a kind of a uh, guerrilla-type warfare, black ops joint mission that he was doing um, with the the CIA and the Marines. And we also have another storyline going on with the woman who's searching for Frank and her partner – and they are trying to figure out what happened with C. Thomas Howell's character in the last, uh, from the last episode as well. So that's kind of where, we, where we're at. We, have, we go between those kind of three storylines, unless I'm forgetting something. Oh, we do get the flashback of Micro telling us how he became on the run as well in this episode. So a lot of backstory filled in with this episode is what we got.
1: Yeah, I agree. This uh, actually showed a lot of things that we did not know about Frank when he was in the military and all those secret missions uh, that was going on during the war and his turmoil within it and dealing with his friend Bill, um, which was uh, we find out within the episode itself, which I think is really interesting because I, I have a funny feeling it gets more creative later on down the road in future episodes
0: yeah there's something with that guy i don't know i don't know what it's going to be but it's it's interesting that we kind of are getting two sides of him in, in that we're, we're seeing that i didn't i didn't mention in the synopsis but he's benefactoring the veterans talk group that uh the other character is kind of leading
1: so. yeah yeah it's uh the one that frank confides in and actually knows who he is and yeah he uh actually goes to the cemetery and uh talks to that friend and they're like toasting off to Frank and yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like the <laughs> other guy knows who, you know, Frank's alive. <laughs> he, he knows
0: that Frank's alive, but yet they're still, yeah, they're having that, that moment. So that's, I, I forgot about that scene. Yeah. That's a good scene. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very interesting. I think it's
1: very, it shows a lot within guys that go through that in the military that actually deal with that stress and dealing with, that turmoil and you actually see where frank came from it's like you could see the family side of him his wife getting him the springsteen tickets and you know sending that to him in the mail and then the next night you know what he's got to assassinate this guy and you know sorry if they're spoilers but if you haven't (laughs) watched the show uh (laughs) you wouldn't be listening to this already but Yeah, that you know,
0: that scene that scene was particularly. I didn't put it in my in my top five or in my notes, but now that you mention, you remind me of it. That's that's a particularly poignant scene. I was I was never in combat, but I was deployed at a, a deployed location, a forward location. I was I've been in tents like that, where you're you're literally side by side with the guy next to you, and you're you're getting your letters from home. You're getting cards from people and and when when you get that card like i got a a card saying hey i don't i don't think we should see each other anymore you know uh that's a that's a tough card to get when you're thousands of miles from home Uh, (laughs) so everybody knows what's going on with everybody else in those in those tents from who got drunk the night before or who threw up or who's banging a girl from another tent you know you 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 get it all (laughs) so uh, that i I had forgotten about that until you brought that up that scene is uh yeah where he's playing the guitar and
1: exactly yeah the you know the the higher ups are coming up to him saying hey we have something for you and this and that and he's playing his guitar and which kind of segues back to it always recalls back to that very beginning or even if you look at the 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 previews before the show came out with him and his son playing a guitar and then that whole Metallica one uh, in exactly. a row, which is amazing. Um, but, yeah, they, you know, it's like, how could you get a Dear John letter while you're <laughs> overseas fighting? This is ridiculous. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. That's, <laughs> it. It's like, who in their right mind? It's like, hold on. Um, I I don't like you. No, <laughs> don't do that to a guy. That's just wrong. It's it
0: is rough I will say that. So uh but uh, guy yeah, or girl, it's, sorry. <laughs> it's an interesting. I remember and this is this is not really applied to the show but really just to to military life in general, you it's like a microcosm mm-hmm. of your regular life. I remember uh having a conversation with one of the guys I was deployed with and we'd only known each other for 3 weeks or 4 weeks and He's looked at me and he said, "steve, we I, I've talked more to you than I've talked to anybody back at home. I have a deeper friendship with you guys here than I have with anybody uh, that I have back at home." And I said, that's because we're in a we're in this microcosm where we're together twenty four exactly. literally twenty four hours a day, we're eating meals together. Every meal we eat is together. Everything we do is together. We don't do anything um by ourselves except for maybe go to the bathroom and shower and there's times when you've got multiple guys in there at the same time doing that so yeah like, uh,
1: i know your it's... body better than i know
0: mine <laughs> yeah exactly kind of attitude there's, i know there's some times like that yeah
1: yeah i, I went to boy scouts and you wind up <laughs> dealing with that too and uh, not saying that i was there constantly but geez it's just like oh it's like hold on it's like oh wait you got that wart down there it's like blah blah, blah. Yeah. it's like <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's one of those weird things, but only certain people understand. And usually, yeah. it's the military, or if you're stuck confined with somebody for so long. Yes. Oh my God! It, it it it's just like, you know, I felt bad. You know, it's like, you you see Frank going through all these things, and you know, I just ah. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like I I feel bad for anybody. It's like my nephew's in the air force, and oh, I was like, I don't want him to go to war.
0: Yeah. No, I understand. I, I, when I joined, it was right before uh, Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Yeah. So uh, literally it kicked off, I think, six months after I joined the Air Force. What year so, was that? 89 uh, was when I joined. and I think Desert Shield, Desert Storm was kind of ramping up 90, 91 timeframe. I didn't yeah. go to the desert then, but I was stationed at a base in Texas, and we were launching uh, the B-52s to go over there. Wow. Um, we were i was involved in marshaling those planes and getting them loaded and, and stuff and um then after nine eleven, of course i i went overseas as well and i've been to i went to korea a couple times and it's just uh it's it's a life that it's not for it's not for everybody i i'm not gonna i don't ever i'm not one of these vets and and who says oh we have to have a mandatory draft it's huh. It's not a life that's for everybody. If yeah. if you can handle it I, – I like to use that quote from the first Men in Black movie where uh, Will Smith says, is it worth it? And Tommy Lee Jones says, oh, yeah, if you can handle it. And yeah. uh, that's what I tell people whenever I have young people ask me if they should join the military. I said – they say, is, is it worth it? And I go, yeah, if you can handle it. Yeah, so, yeah it is. And that's
1: – Yeah, my father actually swayed me against going in. I uh, In high school, I – you know, I dealt with learning disabilities and stuff like that, uh, and they sent me away to an old boys Catholic high school, which is far worse than <laughs> going to a, Ooh. you know, a public high school, because it's a smaller microcosm, as you said, mm-hmm. and people kind of pinpoint, and you get the people who have rich kids that send, you know, the the parents of rich kids, and they send their kids there, and then you got my parents who struggle on a, you know, you know. You know, we're middle class, and right. they're paying for everything just because they want a better education for me trying to get me through this. And it just, like, ugh, goes right into you. And then it's yeah. just like, yeah, so I understand the whole microcosm thing because it does yeah. in social structures in different areas. But the thing was is that, oh, man, <laughs>
0: I uh, love. I, I just love seeing those scenes too of those guys interacting together. I love seeing that the the scene. I think it's really well acted. Even even mm-hmm. the guy the, the, who's the, there's a guy in the group that real. Burly, tough, over the top. Yeah, conservative. I, I, I'm. I'm conservative. I'm right wing. I consider myself. I'm not that far. I am a member of the NRA. Don't throw stones at me, please. No, uh, I'm part <laughs> of it too. So it's okay. You know, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I like those those interactions. Seeing those guys talking to each other and, and hearing those stories, and then when they when they show those flashes of uh, that stuff, it reminds me. Like I said, even though I wasn't in combat, it reminds me of. Yeah. The things that that uh, that I've been involved with and, and done. So, yeah. uh, I love that about this show is that it's it's putting that light. You're seeing both sides. I think of that that sort of position. And that that when we get to top five, that's going to go into one of my. Well, it's uh, more uh, realism. Plots.
1: It's a it's yeah. a realistic view. And yeah, you know, what I was trying to say was like, you know, them putting me into that private boys' high school. It's like I asked my father. It's like once I got out, I was like, oh, a lot of my friends were going into the Marines. And my father was a Marine. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, should I go into the Marines? He was like, no. (laughs) He goes, I don't think it's meant for you. I'm like, okay. Yeah. uh, The thing was, I was a Boy Scout, too. And, you know, it's like I made Eagle Scout. Right. And, uh, you know, it's it's like I thought, okay, it's like this is a little different. It's, yeah, yeah, you be – Doing something right for the country and this and that. No, it's not for you. So a yeah, of, uh, yeah, A lot of my friends went out there, uh, like you were talking about Desert Storm. Uh, yeah. A few of my friends had gotten stationed out there and that from high school, and they came back and you know they they went through some tough times, and mm-hmm. uh, I felt bad. You know, it's like it's like my father even said to go see. And I was like, yeah, I know. Uh, but <laughs> the thing was, it's like, but my father never served in war itself. He was a Marine, but, you know, he went to Paris Island and did all that stuff, and, uh, you know, he served his time. But, yeah, yeah, he never did uh, any battle or anything like that. But the thing was is that he knew that it was a tough, and it's based upon your personality.
0: So some people
1: have that, and some people don't. And I think he knew at a young (laughs) age, you're not meant for that. Especially considering... You know, I do support people that want to have guns. I'm not the type of – and I have my father's uh, – my father was a police officer for the New York City <laughs> Police Department. Right. And for emergency services. So I took possession of my father's guns after he passed away. My brother is mm-hmm. is a retired New York City police officer as well. And my brother was like, you should take them. Everybody kept telling me, you should take them. Now, mind you, I'm the worst person because <laughs> I don't like guns. But, do I respect them? Yes, do I know how to use one? Yes, but I was just like, "Wow, but the thing is is that uh I do support the the a person's right to use and to bear arms in this country now, mind you, for those crazy people that are out there that no they shouldn't be allowed to have a gun, you know it's absolutely, like, you know, absolutely, and I don't want to get kind of like political about this, but you know it's like there are certain laws that should be afflicted to it you know yeah well, and, and, i'm glad yeah. about background checks that's the one thing that the democrats did that i love is that the intense background checks so you know it, it does make sense yeah. but yeah the yeah. fact of trying to take the guns away no no no
0: <laughs> exactly yeah this is a country yeah i don't want to get again i'm with you i don't want to get political cuz i'm i'm kind of on the other end of the spectrum um in fact i, I have a, a license that i carry every day um if i'm out usually if i'm outside of my my apartment if i'm uh, not go- and unless i'm going like back to the base or something like that yeah. i uh, i've i've got one on me so um and that's just uh but that's all i'm going to say about that um, <laughs> so yeah i <sighs> where do we go from here uh well, <laughs> so whatever you want gonna... we could start our top 5 if you want I I, I would love that because I I really wanted to – the main thing I wanted to say is I love that theme song. Like I literally – when I start the episode, I I watch the entire opening credits of of each of these three episodes that I've watched, and I love that that bluesy guitar uh, theme song that they have.
1: Oh, definitely. I love it. All right, Steve, your top five.
0: Okay, so – and these are not in any particular order. I just kind of was jotting them down, but probably the the, mo- the biggest one is uh, that I love that theme song, that very beginning of the episode. I watched the whole thing through. I, I won't fast-forward through it. I love that guitar, solo, bluesy uh, – I don't know what song it is or if it's a particular song or they just wrote it for this show – but I, I I love that intro and I've the three episodes I've watched even the multiple times that I watched this episode I listened to the whole entire uh, theme song.
1: Yeah, it's uh, honestly it, uh hopefully they'll come out with a soundtrack.
0: <laughs> that would I would love that I would buy it in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, because even the middle song uh, oh towards the end when you see him in battle, you
0: mm-hmm. you remember that. Absolutely, absolutely. When he's reaping, when he's, <laughs> yeah. when when the, the commander says, "You sow what you reap," and he says, "I'm going to reap a little bit of my own." <laughs>
1: yep, and then you know you feel it through that whole scene. Yeah, and it, it's and if you listen to the words, it kind of depicts what's he what he's actually going through.
0: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It was it was very very poignant, and, and I don't remember the exact lyrics, but I do. I, I didn't actually pay attention to the lyrics. I think until like the third time through, and I went, oh, wow, these lyrics, I need to to go back, and and I may even go back and watch that again, just to to focus on that particular scene, but, yeah, the music of this show is probably the the first one that I'd say.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, uh, I always said it before, and originally, with the original podcast idea I had, was to be about music, but, uh, because it's really my strength, (laughs) more than anything, but, uh, yeah, a lot of people are like, you you know, Music does combine with the visual, and you kind of get both. So my feeling is, like, you know, that that intro, intro is the feeling of how he's feeling deep down. I, I It's what I think is the intro music, is how, nice. how Frank's feeling deep down. But uh, that ending scene, the way it was in a reef, that was amazing.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: So uh, that was your number five.
0: That was, number, yeah, like I said, that would be my number five. I have no particular order on these, really.
1: So basically, uh, my number five would be the whole story itself. Uh, looking at the uh, flashbacks and uh, present day, uh, what Frank went through and what Micro went through, too. Uh, my, you You see a bit of Micro's past, you see a bit of Frank's past, and then them coming together. And uh, kind of just formulating something, and they are both the same and different at the same time. If you look at it, because Absolutely. both of them are dead men according to everybody else, and uh, the only difference is is Micro has a family. He chooses not to be around them because he could cause them pain. So that that was my number five. It was like it was kind of a rounding out uh kind of fast too considering it's the third episode but you know it's uh honestly it, it was done in a very well good format um but yeah you know, that that was my feeling about number 5 it's, it's that whole episode in general
0: yeah i thought it was edited really well the way they they put it together and, and the way they they moved between those scenes and those and and then brought us back to uh, the present day as well was was really good the transitions between those i thought were were really well done uh, at least in in my opinion and especially one of the ones that gets into to to one of mine that i'll i'll talk about later was a transition that i really liked so
1: so, so my uh, number f- number 4
0: yeah my number 4 uh because what you just said kind of plays into my number 4 which was the fact that that i i like that micro, he acknowledges that Frank has lost more than he has. In that his family is still alive, and and I don't know, you know, we don't really know if he harbors any hope of maybe someday trying to go back, get his family back, or if there's been so much now that uh, that he can't go back. And um, but he acknowledges anyway that Frank has lost more than him, but he still considers them. Uh, that kismet that uh this them the same you know and and uh his it was interesting when we saw the flashback of him getting shot in that uh c thomas howell keeps saying drop the weapon drop the weapon and he clearly doesn't have anything in his hands and there's cops standing around and i guess most of the civilians had ran away at that point but his wife is standing in the background and unless unless she got pulled away by one of the cops before C Thomas Howe's shot, she witnessed C. Thomas Howe like cold bloodedly shoot him into the water.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's Yeah. She she was the cold witness that knew what was going on. And her life was still in danger even then. So Right. Micro was just like, Forget it as soon as he was able to fake it he did get shot yeah but, and that's uh... another
0: that's another unclear kind of thing cuz he says the cell phone saved his life but he still had a a scar oh, from the bullet yes. yeah so did the did the bullet go did it slow down the bullet enough that's what i that, think that okay that that it still wounded him but it it slowed the bullet down enough to where it didn't it didn't do as much damage cuz like at the end franks you you can see blood on both the front and back of Frank's uniform, yes. yeah, from his from his wound, and you can see that that was a through and through, and that uh, uh, the bullet didn't stay there. So I, it makes me wonder if Micro still has a bullet maybe in his in his shoulder or in that sternum area, hmm. kind of thing.
1: It's a possibility. We'll have to find out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's cool. I like that. Um, my number three. If you want to go first, I'll I'll do mine first. If you want, go ahead. Yeah, by uh, by mine. all means. Uh, or was that four? That was four. That was four. It? We
0: were doing, Yeah, you're would be your number four. All
1: right, okay, so uh, that would be Frank's friend Bill. Um, yeah. How he changed. If you look at him in the flashbacks of from the the wartime up until the time that he takes a position. With Phoenix, uh, that's what they call that company, I guess. Uh, it's a group. or uh, And he went from, you know, originally Frank was stationed to leave first. And then at the end of the mission, Bill winds up leaving because he put in his paperwork. I don't know if it was just before their mission or after, but he said that he was approved to go and he was going to go back because he didn't want to be doing this anymore. I guess Yeah, his tour he, of duty he was done.
0: Yeah, he said he said he like it sounded to me like Frank was actually getting out, mm-hmm. and it, he sounded like he said he asked for because I I believe the phrase he used was transferred back to Force Recon, exactly. which would be which would be the the Marines kind of special forces kind yeah. of thing. Like he wanted to be transferred back to that. So we don't know yet his backstory as far as how he gets from bearded black ops guy to suit and tie guy with this Phoenix Foundation. You know, we don't we don't have that information yet.
1: Yeah, Uh, but he he does change his uh his tune a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Within the flashback to now and it's a huge change in attitude. So it's all that Frank thought he knew. And is somebody completely that doesn't know.
0: Well, and it almost seems like he's not – he doesn't acknowledge some of the things they did because he tells the, the black guy, he says, I got out before I had this trauma that the guys in his group are dealing with. Exactly. When the, when the black guy invites him into the into the group, he says, well, you know, I got out before I, I got any anything, but we know that's not completely true because we watched him. In that flashback with Frank, so we know he was involved in some of those black ops things.
1: He was so, involved. He he just kind of like lies about it and yeah, fans yeah. away from it because he doesn't want to be reminded of it. So maybe that's his PTSD.
0: That's that could be.
1: So, but uh, yeah, that was my number four. Uh, okay. It kind of it was an interesting character that came up, and the fact that we see him at the very end standing over. Uh, Frank's grave, and I think the the guy you're talking about is Curtis.
0: Curtis, thank you. Yes, that's his and, name. I and, couldn't remember his name, the character name.
1: Yeah, that that's Curtis, and uh, that's the one that uh, you know Frank confides in that uh, does those group meetings for right. all and, the and, uh, vets.
0: And apparently, he works in insurance, and he has a he has a a missing leg. Yeah, part of his leg is is gone. So,
1: but he uses that to sell
0: insurance. <laughs> right, exactly. So, so did you want to go with your number three? No, you go with the number three. Okay, uh, my number three was, and and I might be re- misremembering this a little bit, but Frank's memory of his wife's death seems to change a little bit throughout the episode. You know, we get in the in the first couple episodes, we saw him dreaming about his wife waking him up. We saw dreaming about things happening, mm-hmm. um, and it's not until this episode really that we get the slight little changes in that until the very last dream where we see that, that the, the killer takes the mask off and mm-hmm. it's Frank and, and he's so obviously he blames himself
1: exactly. for his
0: wife's wife's death. I really like that. I thought John, John Bernthal really sold that really well and acted. I, I really, I guess part of my number three with that is John Bernthal's portrayal of, of the character. You know, we, he's, he's brought a lot of, um, depth depth thank you that's the word i was searching for into this character that i don't think we've seen before i don't think we even saw really in the comic book punisher i think you talked about that a little bit with avellino that in in the comic book punisher he's he's, he's
1: more of a hitman
0: yeah and, and he's more stoic about it yes so that uh
1: negan-esque I, kind of attitude of <laughs> jokey and exactly. sarcasm yeah. but uh yeah it's yeah definitely uh, it, it's showing the human in him. And exactly. That's yeah. that's what I like is that they actually humanize the character. He's not a superhero. Actually, you know, he has no powers. <laughs> Come on. Right, it's a comic exactly. book movie about a vigilante, honestly. Exactly. Uh, or, you know, and, you, and he's not a vigilante that does things uh, for bad <laughs> or to do things for major intent. He, he's just doing things for the good of people. Like, take a look at the first episode when he saved that kid. Exactly, he was trying exactly. to save that kid from that whole situation. So yeah. he's trying to find the good in things and do it for the with what he knows how to do. So, right, exactly. Obviously. So, the, but he's he's, yeah. Batman the he's,
0: exactly. he's, bat, he's Batman without the bankroll. He's 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 Batman without the bankroll and the morals
1: and the bad attitude.
0: <laughs> the bad attitude. Yeah, sure, come on.
1: You know, it's like I, I always call it as the uh, the antihero. You know, yeah, and that that would be similar to like Deadpool and all those different comic book characters that are out there a little bit. So there was
0: a there was a book series in the '60s and it, it kind of went on into the '70s and '80s, I think, by by a writer named Don Pendleton, where he had a character uh, with very similar kind of backstory where he was like a special forces guy, and he came back home, and the mob had killed his family, and so he, he went on this war against uh, the mafia. And I remember reading a quote from that author years ago where he said, if he had the same training that this guy had had, and he had had the same circumstances, he could see himself doing the same thing. And that's really what's going on here with Frank, is, is Frank is taking what he's been trained to do, which is kill people, yeah. And and carry that out, and he's he's doing what he was trained to do, and he's he has a code. I don't know exactly what the code is sometimes, but <laughs> well, he, that's
1: the whole thing. It's like we don't know. It's just it's somebody who wants to do something better for other people and the right thing, and then to prove the right thing for himself too. Uh, you know, also without being noticed right <laughs> Just, exactly, uh, exactly that's why Karen was taken you know taken in to uh, help him out <laughs> which you right. know, to me honestly that that's the that's that's pretty cool that they bring that character in from Daredevil so you know that whole Karen Page thing
0: okay is that later on did I miss something what? Uh, she was brought in. Uh, second in episode. Second episode. Okay, I must have. I didn't rewatch the other, the first and second episode. I just rewatched that third episode. So all yeah. I got was the bottle, the the really the bottle stuff. So I'll have to go back and rewatch those yeah. those first couple episodes and see where we're at on that. So
1: yeah, he I remember the dog. Is... Out, yeah, he was trying to figure out who was uh f- trying to track him and follow him.
0: Okay, which okay. was
1: micro, and then um, uh, she had to do some digging.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then, yeah. Now I'm tracking with you. Yeah. Now I got you. Okay. I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch those first couple episodes again so I could get a uh, get a context.
1: Yeah. So. A, lot, a lot of these actors are great too because the one who played Karen Page was actually in True Blood at one point. And oh wow. She was a lot younger and uh, she played the uh, played the uh, the leads uh, one of the leads uh, the male leads. Uh, conquests he had to create a vampire so she she, okay uh, that was her and she came a long way i i really you know to me this shows her depth in acting you know okay you know she's actually very good and then same thing with bernthal bernthal itself and (sighs) and who else can we get other than and honestly i have to point it out you know we got clancy brown come on wow i i i am you
0: know he is a he's a guy i've loved him in just about everything i've seen he was he was the 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 kurgan yep. in Highlander. uh he he was a uh he's been, been in so many different movies and yeah. and done so many different types of characters yeah starship that I, troopers, I i love
1: I, I think of the character almost like in starship troopers but the only difference is is that he's still holding back from that character. Cause, yeah,
0: <laughs> cause exactly. Yeah.
1: He, he played pretty much like a colonel or a general, or whatever, in charge of all these guys. And, you know, it's like, yep. oh, wow. It's like, oh, wow, yeah. he's, he's kind of playing the same sort of role, but not really in a little right. different way, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love it. So what was your number three?
1: Number three was uh, Frank's interrogation of Micro. That was kind of intense. Uh, kind of almost similar to waterboarding. At one point, mm-hmm. you know, stripping him naked and forcing him and smacking him around, telling him, "Hey, that's pain. You get used yeah. to pain, man." <laughs> it's something I thought it feel. was.
0: I, I thought it was funny at the beginning of the episode when he, he you know he opens up the can with his knife and then uh, he wipes the knife off on on Mike Rowe's shoulder. Okay. Yeah. And then he starts eating out of the can with a knife. And the thing that Micro is going to mention is, you know, you can get botulism that way. Yeah, <laughs> you're tied to you're tied naked to a chair. This guy has just wiped off his knife on your shoulder. Okay. Could have been your butt. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't think he cares about germs at this. Yeah, exactly, you know?
1: he doesn't realize who his audience is, and you know you're going to wind up with a knife in you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I
0: I took some of that at the beginning, though. Really, I almost took as as I I wondered. As I watched the episode the first time, I wondered if Frank was kind of play acting with him that that Frank you know recognized that he was he was like him, but he had to push the guy until he could, but then of course, he keeps on torturing Pushing him, him. And you realize, yeah, and you realize that oh no, he just really is torturing yeah. the guy
1: yeah that that those are the tactics that actually teach out there, which is really sad. Yeah. But the thing is, is that you know, if you look at what he had to do when during that uh, when they were interrogating that guy that he had to execute, mm-hmm. and the guy kept saying, "I'm innocent, and I'm innocent," and then they look at him and he goes, "Yeah, shoot him," and he shoots him, and that's the whole thing. It's just like that's what they were taught. That's what they were trained. That's what uh-huh. they had to do in those ops.
0: Yeah. Uh, that whole thing was a little interesting that, that that was, I'm wondering if there's more to something there because, you know, Micro's wife tells him, he says, I, I got this piece of information, which is this CD with this interrogation and this murder on it. And I've got this CD and I need to know what to do with it. And she says to send it to his immediate supervisor, who is the C. Thomas Howe character. Exactly but he doesn't send it to him he sends it to someone else
1: yeah but the thing was is that he didn't realize that the C Thomas Howell character was the one that authorized that <laughs> right okay that's that's yeah so
0: so that's where we're we're where we're we're starting to, to the story is starting to come together exactly. to where we're starting to see you know what what he and Frank actually do have in common is that they have this shared kind of thing even though knowledge. Michael wasn't yeah knowledge Michael wasn't there in the room but now he's seen the tape, and so now he has to be eliminated, exactly. and his family is going to have to be eliminated. So it, it was an interesting thing there with the wife and, and with him saying that he wanted to do the right thing because we teach our children to do the right thing. And if I don't do the right thing now, what am I teaching them? Exactly. It's, I, I really – again, it's, it's really well-acted and, and almost really well-written. I'm, I'm not a parent – so, I don't know exactly how that kind of conversation might go, but that was that was kind of a cool interaction between him and his wife, not uh, cool acting wise not good obviously yeah. but it's it was a nice it was a well acted interaction between them of her saying, "You just want me to tell you to do it so that you can blame me when it blows up
1: It was a very very well versed conversation on screen about something very intense like that you know it's like where else are you can?" Gonna... You only experience those things in life and right. to actually have it portrayed on screen, something like that. It, it's like, all right, where are your morals and what are you going to do? And, right. Yeah. That And how often do we really see that on TV? Um, yeah. Designated Survivor maybe and a few other shows that I'm yeah. on. But um, with this, this is more of like more wartime and everything else that's going on around us that, you know we really tried not to look at, but, right, uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, this is like staring you right in the face. And this is something that's going to be said that not many people do.
0: Exactly. So. And I, I really liked when, when he, he said the comment he made about the fact that this is why I, this kind of intelligence is why I do this job. Like all the intelligence that he had sifted through before, Mm-hmm. wasn't – it was just crap stuff that even he knew was lies and disinformation. Exactly. But now he suddenly had something land in his lap that's real.
1: He he had a purpose in what he was doing finally. Right. All, yeah. all the things that he's been working up to, he finally found a purpose, and they're trying to shut him up is what it was. Right. And now it's like, no, I don't want to. And his wife's like, well, hold on.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, yeah
1: yeah you could get either get us killed or or yourself killed and you know so he had he had to put himself out there and make a decision you know and that's why he left his wife and made her believe that he was dead
0: exactly exactly so, but okay
1: so um we what up to mine
0: my, my number 2 uh i loved the the very end of the episode when frank agrees to work with him and he says we're going to kill all of them and micro just kind of goes <laughs> yeah I'm okay with that. <laughs> I I really just like that. Just he, it was a very matter of fact kind of answer. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay with that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like you you almost felt like Frank was was wanting to get some pushback on it so that he could fight with the guy about it, but the guy was like, "Okay, go ahead and kill him." <laughs> so I <laughs> uh, I really like that. It, it it made me chuckle. So <laughs> yeah, well, yeah you know, I'm okay with that. <laughs>
1: Uh, Well, my number two is pretty much uh, that special mission. We got to find out what happened, what was really in that video and what happened. Yeah. And the fact that you saw Frank actually do the execution of that man. And then later on being told by the guy who obviously was part of like some sort of clergy that was in uh, the military saying, why are you taking the bullet out? Yeah, and all that. It was all to hide the situation because they knew they were doing something wrong,
0: but Frank was
1: kind of like oblivious to it in some way, but he knew that that's how they do things, and that's how they do it, and uh, later on that whole battle scene with the, the, the music and everything else, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah, that that really was like deep cuts as far as you feeling the emotional intent with the music itself. Uh that's that's why I love how some shows put interplay specific music with lyrics that kind of represent what's going on with the actual character itself.
0: Right. Yeah. I liked the line and I backed it up and listened to it actually like three or four times because I was trying to figure out exactly what he was saying. Um, when he, he gets up and he says, I've got to get back for the boss. And he's talking about the Springsteen tickets. Yep, (laughs) He says, I got to get back for the boss. I thought at first he was meeting his wife, but then I went, wait a minute. No, he's talking about, I got to get back for the concert. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and then he says, and I got to get you back. And then he finds the Colonel and he says, Colonel, I'm going to get you back. You know, that, that taking that idea of, I think that is really the moment where, he became the Punisher because that's the moment where he became the one man kind of killing crew. Yeah, and he just goes through, and we see him grabbing—he's uh, grabbing enemy combatants' weapons after he's killed them. He's—he's he's killing people with weapons when they're empty. He's using that shotgun, and then then that last guy that he's just punching and punching and punching, and uh, it, yeah, that scene is very intense.
1: Well, the fact that he got shot himself too. Yeah. And that and that end scene if you look at it. It's like that's when the music builds up and then we fade to you know, back to the quarters and there you know, you got the medic on him and he's like he goes, Did you get him? did you execute yeah. the plan yes. and he's like what what and he just flips out and then he cold cocks him in the eye and does something yeah. to his eye which yeah, we see later on a, eventually but you know that was a
0: bad lick to his eye
1: <laughs> oh, that was i hope he popped it out or something
0: <laughs> something uh yeah that that whole thing was that was another one of those moments where you, you read the room dude you know, you walk in and all these guys are injured and obviously there's, I, I'm assuming adrenaline. there's been at least a couple of deaths and there's a lot of adrenaline going and you're going to ask the the most dumbest question of all, you know, did you get him? Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, that's, uh, read the room. So yeah, I, I
1: always take that as corporate BS. It's like, did you do it? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of like think about it in my job. I'm like, well, I'm. Okay, I'm a grunt. Yeah, it's done.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you the know, guy it's... was actually there, he's dead. But now we're not sure if he was actually there, or even. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's what's going to be interesting to find out if they if they come back to it later on is uh, if the guy was ever even actually there. Because I, like I said, I, I think Frank was right when he said this is a trap. This is the way I. He, even Frank says it. He's we're the American Taliban. If the, if we had a group that was coming after us like this and wanted. Basically, that guy is what he he should have said. They want to kill you. This is how I would do it. I would set up a trap, saying that you're in this location.
1: Exactly. And
0: I think that was what he was trying to tell the guy: is Hey, this is a this is an obvious trap that you're, you're sitting.
1: Basically, you. throwing us out there to get killed. You know. Yeah. yeah.
0: And that was that brings me to one of my notes actually, because that was a quote that I wrote down uh, with a guy. <laughs> makes a statement that made me laugh. Even when I was in the military, I heard these phrases uttered, hard earned, thoroughly vetted intelligence. (laughs) Doesn't exist. I'm sorry. There's nothing that is 100%. And uh, when I heard that, I I think I laughed out loud when I heard that line (laughs) the first time, hard earned, thoroughly vetted intelligence. (laughs) <laughs> How do you do that? You know. Uh so I that uh, uh yes, I, I love that. That uh, that that's uh um uh, uh are we to our number one? Yeah, we are. My number one is, is what I alluded to earlier, has to do with the editing of the episode and what we have is we have the the woman who's tracking Frank is talking to her partner, and her partner is talking to her about trust and how you earn trust, and then the, 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 the scene seamlessly uh, shifts to Frank waking up on the bed with the gun on his chest, which is exactly the only way that Micro could have gained his trust. If Frank had woken up strapped naked to a chair, he would have just broke loose and tried to kill Micro, but waking up – on a bed with a gun is obvious that that micro uh has, has some trust in him and is trying to get his trust back so i really like that the way that that was edited yeah
1: which actually brings me to my number 1 um micro actually convincing frank that he needs to be the man in the chair for frank
0: <laughs> yeah. I like that. You've gotta have somebody every every uh missile has to have a guidance system. Is that how he Exactly. How he put it?
1: Yeah. So yeah. It's kinda it kinda alludes to other all comic book movies that are out there now. It's like, you know, you you got Spider Man homecoming and you got uh Ned who's uh Peter Parker's man in a chair and at the very right. end he's like swinging around right man in a chair. Yeah. So <laughs> the thing is is that it kinda shows that uh, there's got to be a brains behind the brawn. Uh, yeah, Frank could get the physical going and done, and uh, you know, Micro could do it. You know, yeah. he's the one that could come up with the plan and get everything working. Look how he ma- was able to manipulate Frank with the <laughs> uh, with the constant siren that goes off every hour.
0: That was and amazing. Has- we yeah, we don't know exactly how long. I, that was one of my in one of my notes actually. Uh, was we don't know what the time period was that that thing was. Exactly. And every time he does it, he slides over there, and he grabs that pencil.
1: Yep, and and, he uses that to type, and uh, at first – Frank sees the gun underneath the chair or underneath the desk and grabs it. What is this? What is yeah. this? You know, I forgot.
0: Yeah. It's almost like a magician's uh, misdirection I think is, is what that pistol was. He says, oh, I forgot it was there. I forgot it was there. But really he probably did remember it was there. He used that to distract about the fact that he grabbed that pencil and exactly. uses that pencil and then puts it down. And every time he comes back to that same pencil, and it's almost like a Pavlov's dog kind of thing – that Frank let it go the first time and he which that was that was kind of in my note was why did Frank let it go the first time? The guy was pecking at the keyboard anyway, why did he need a pencil
1: exactly. to do. It?
0: Um so I I but uh that's interesting though. I, I like that that and then finally he had to pick his moment um to actually use that pencil.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that that was that was really cool though and it at the in the very end, though it's like you know throughout like the whole episode he was pretty much naked, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, can I just put my pants on, <laughs> but uh, you know, next thing you know, it's like you know at the very end, after he puts that pencil into Frank and it leaves you know he left the gun on Frank's chest,, mm-hmm. you know, you said it before to me earlier, that made a point is is showing trust to Frank and and on top of that, he shows up in his robe. And yeah, like, yeah. It's like okay. It's like I feel comfortable now. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, and I thought that was interesting that he he. And I, I caught it. I didn't catch it the third time, and I didn't really really. Uh, I, I need to go back and maybe rewatch it again. He says something about the heroin was just to finance this place, and so it made me wonder if that's what that that pencil was laced with. Was what some sort of heroin that knocked knocked frank out unless i misheard that yeah i didn't get that either uh, wow it's it sounded like he said something like that uh to that effect and I, i'm gonna have to go back and rewatch the episode to 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 see that because uh that like i said i didn't catch it till the last last watch through but uh yeah that thing with the pencil was an interesting
1: yeah and that was, know, that and was and cool. and
0: even even he makes that comment uh about Spooks that he's a spook, and he was able to overcome Frank. You need, like you were saying, you need the guy in the chair because the guy in the chair can outthink you, you know. And uh, and this guy in this chair just outthought you is is kind of what I, I think his implication there was is that I was able to 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 get past you. And okay, cool, very nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what was uh,
1: next on the? All right, so. This is the time on Pixels uh, Panels to Pixels that we're actually going to talk about comic book talk, comics in the news, uh, any comic book shows, movies, anything that's happening in cinema uh, for comic related information. So, the one thing that dropped today, and today being uh, December fourteenth, uh, Disney is finalizing the acquisition of Fox and that includes the original Star Wars, uh, which, if you think about it, Fox owned the original Star Wars. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, New Hope, Return of the Jedi, the original cuts. So they could release those at any given time. And then they also include X-Men and Fantastic Four, which is awesome, because I definitely want to see these characters in the new Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh I'm not saying that Fox did a bad job the last time at these. Uh, I really liked the Silver Surfer in the second version of you know the the sequel to the original Fantastic Four movie that came out years ago. Um, and then uh, I'm not talking about the third one um, <laughs> that came out a couple of years ago, and I, I wasn't happy with that one. Um, I have it, but uh, it was an interesting story and different take, but not my cup of tea. Um, but also X Men. X Men is my love, as well as Spider Man and Fantastic Four and uh, the Hulk. But uh, the the fact that they could change a few things within the cinematic universe now, uh, whether or not they change the actors or not, who knows? Uh, I don't mind McAvoy. I don't mind. I loved Patrick Stewart. Come on. <laughs> uh, Ian McKellen and all that stuff. I, I loved all those characters and those actors. I I. It was the stories that I had sometimes had an issue with, but Days of Future Past was probably the best out of all of them that I liked. Uh, and uh, the first one, because it was the very first. Uh, the second one I actually really liked in a sense because you had Nightcrawl on it. And there was like a little bit of a history on that. And, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of them that are, you know, there's so much you could do with this, this whole genre. Uh, It's like now it's like, okay, do they replace the actors or do they do that? I really would like to know if you guys want to answer that on panels to Pixels, that'd be awesome. I could throw that up there if you guys want (laughs) to talk about it. But uh, that that's my little bit of news. Uh, Steve, do you have any news?
0: Um, not really as far as comics are related. It's been so long since I've followed any sort of comics that uh, I, I would love to see there was a, a comic. I, you and I talked about it earlier that uh, was a, it was an image comic, I believe, and it was called John Sable Freelance. It was written and uh, pinked and, and penciled by Mike Grell. and it was awesome run. They tried to make it into a TV series and botched it. I, I would love to see that character somehow brought into the current day. He's uh, he's kind of like a a Punisher type of character, except uh, he's uh, different. <laughs> uh, so really, there's I can't think of anything. I loved the the first Fantastic Four movies. I loved both of them, but I I never even watched the. The reboot a few years ago when it came out, the one you were talking about, I never even saw that one. I, I heard it tanked so bad that I didn't even wasn't even interested. Um,
1: the Josh Trank I mean, version you're talking about, right?
0: Yes, the the most recent one. Yeah, yeah the, whatever. I, the...
1: I gave it credit for the fact that they tried to do something different. That was the only difference that I had for it. But <clears throat> it was trying to make it a little bit more realistic with the characters and uh, the drama. Oh, okay. But you know, I, I give it its you know do best. I, I just, you know, in my opinion, I'd rather have the original Roger Corman version that had... Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, that they, they, they were publicizing back in the 60s. <laughs> Not that I was born at that time, but the fact right. that they actually had one, and you had uh, the professor from Gilligan's Island, and you got uh, uh, the woman from Bewitched uh, okay. in there as Susan Storm. They nice. actually were doing uh, promotion for that, and uh, I'm sure a lot of you out there know that, or big comic book geeks like me. <laughs> <laughs> it's out there, trust me. It's like I see posters, I see all this. It was supposed to be into play, but it didn't never happen. Huh. But uh, yeah, I love the idea. Like you know, the the first Fantastic Four movie was a good idea, uh, but oh, oh my god, that that thing version. I don't know. I, I like the <laughs> actor, but. Michael Chiklis, yeah, yeah, he was, a, yeah. he's a great actor in the Shield and all that, but you know, it's and you know, it's like you got Chris Evans as the Torch,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I I liked them, they they were fun, they were fun movies, but uh, I'm, I am excited to see them bring this this MCU together with other Marvel characters. It's just, I it's going to be interesting to see how they do it with movies, because of course with with comic books, it it just got out of hand. Yeah. with comic books in the '80s, uh, especially, and, and that's why both Marvel and DC, and I think the the, D, the DC TV shows just recently had uh, a, a crisis kind of storyline oh, that I involved that. multiple timelines. And I followed a little bit of it uh, when when they did it in the '80s. When the wasn't it uh, Crisis on Infinite Worlds, and uh, Marvel did did one similar to where they were just trying to destroy all their their other uh timelines that were out there and get it down to just two or three because you know you had you had spider-man married to mary park mary uh mary Mary jane one and then you had him married to the other girl in another timeline (laughs) you had you had different timelines of batmans and robins and they they you know so it's gonna be interesting to see how the movies bring these together and i think uh is it kevin feig Um,
1: Yeah, Kevin Feige is actually in charge of uh, Disney Marvel.
0: Yeah, and he he supposedly does a really good job. Well, he supposedly has somebody – it's either him or he has somebody who's specifically employed to try to keep the continuity right. Yeah, Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, to me that's that's awesome. I, I, I love the fact that Marvel is coming a long way when it comes to movies. I just don't like the idea that Marvel can't come a long way with TV.
0: Yeah. I yeah. I like
1: Agents of Shield, but I can't get really much into it, kind of like the Inhumans. I watched the first four episodes of Inhumans and I kind of fell asleep with it. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm like, uh it's like you got to entice me more. The Dog is great. I love Lockjaw. Yeah. But, you know, it's like you got, you know, uh, I don't yeah, know. I I <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't watch either.
0: Yeah, I didn't I Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., just I, I didn't even get a chance to start it, and uh, now it's so far along. And, and I, I actually watched I, – I saw a, a recent article uh, that had a timeline of all the movies and TV shows trying to put all the different uh, TV show seasons and movies all together, and it, it did pretty good, but you had – Like halfway seasons going well. This season takes place between Iron Man two and Iron Man three, and and this takes place between Ant Man is here, and and they were trying to to put the TV shows and the movies together, and it was this huge list. I was like, there's no way anybody could just one person could keep track of that. Exactly. And uh, I love the Captain America movies, um, uh, so I I like the individual, um what do you call them the the individual long uh, movie uh series is like i love guardians i think guardians of the galaxy is probably the best oh, yeah. of in my opinion uh, and part of the reason is because for the most part it's completely separate from the rest of the stuff you can have anything go on with thor and uh you don't have to worry about it in guardians and i guess they are going to be in infinity war so we'll see how that works out but uh uh i am excited to to see what they do with x men bringing the x men into it and if they can bring fantastic four in uh so we'll see uh
1: yeah well th- what you were talking about before ben Beck actually talked about uh crisis on uh supergirl and arrow and mm-hmm. uh you know and what was it flash Yeah, I think it's Flash Arrow, right? And he did that on DC Prime Time, which is on uh, our podcast network. (laughs) So, uh, you know, keep in mind, you know, listen to that. I think Ben did a great job. They they talked about it thoroughly, and I do agree with it. I love that. Uh, I almost you'll probably be mad at me saying this, but I almost. uh, I almost spoiled it for him once online that night, and I was like upset about it myself. And I was like, "Oh darn, I did not say that." The I uh, I'll have
0: to I'll have to listen to it. It may convince me to to try to watch to try to get back. I tried to watch Arrow and just couldn't get through it, and uh, just Flash didn't hold my interest. And I never even started Supergirl, so I don't know. Uh.
1: I gave Supergirl a shot. I di- I heard about The Flash, and the way I heard about it was through Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. And he kept braving it on in his podcast, and I had to listen. And I was like, all right, I'll listen to it. I was like, all right, let me take a look into it. And it was on a night, obviously, kind of like now, because this is the midseason for a lot of shows, and you and I both love The Walking Dead.
0: absolutely, And
1: we... Uh, kind of listen to another podcast that we are patreons to which is for karen and jason's walking dead cast patreon page and that's how we know each other and uh they uh yeah it, it's that that had a big turmoil on it itself which we're gonna talk about soon yeah but uh uh-huh. yeah th- there's so much going on
0: yeah, the other the other big news that you and I talked about that, that's not really comic book related but it's Punisher related is the fact that uh, – I guess it was earlier this week they released that season two of The Punisher has been, uh, has been approved or confirmed. So I don't know when they're going to start filming that, but uh, I'm excited to finish the series here in the next uh, few days or weeks. Uh, I've got to travel next week, so I, I may not be able to watch all the rest of The Punisher series, but I'm going to try to see if I can pick it up. Maybe this weekend if I can binge watch it, but uh, I tried to keep myself fresh for this uh, this third season, this third episode <laughs> podcast, and not uh, uh, and a, as you saw, I forgot about things that went on in the first two episodes because I focused so much on the third episode, uh, but now I'm excited. I, I want to watch the rest of the, the season because I've heard good things about the rest of the, the season, and then now there's going to be a season two, which we'll, we'll probably have to wait until 2019 for, but <laughs> –
1: well, we have more things to look forward to. we got Jessica Jones coming out. so that, Absolutely. So that there are other things in the works. Uh, whether this whole Disney uh, app thing going through and their contract with Netflix, we don't know. But, yeah. Uh, the fact that they bought out Fox now and they're trying to do their own app, it's amazing. And like I was saying before, it's like the way I got into Flash, and Flash is very cool. Uh, I, 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 so it was in the mid season and that's how I got into it. Just like when, uh, I was talking about the walking dead cast and that was just to give props to Jason and Karen because go listen to their podcast that, you know, Jason is the great optimist on that show and he's (laughs) got great insight on it. Karen is always fun to listen to, but, uh, Within the time that the The Walking Dead was off the air, I had nothing to watch. I'd come home from work and <laughs> what what is on? I just turn on the TV as I'm doing paperwork or something, and then next thing you know it's like oh the flash is on. I'm like oh let me watch this. I started getting into it. I'm like hold on, I gotta watch the last season, last part of the season. I got in half season in, and then I was like oh, and I started watching. It and I started getting into it. I want to see the next season, so it it made me interested in it because. Honestly, as a kid, I was never into DC Comics. Uh, I'm sure Ben is yeah. hating me on this, but I was never a DC fan. <laughs> but...
0: I, I never was because there was just too much – there was too much to keep, to keep track of with exactly. DC. Uh, but... I, I tried. I like. I loved Batman. I loved the character of Batman and everything about that character, but there was like five or six comic books – at oh, one time, yeah, that were Batman related, and I was just ugh.
1: Now, now there's five or different types of comic books of X Men or X Factor or right this or that now in Marvel, but you know you have to pick and choose your uh, your favorites at this point. Exactly. And, yeah, so I started watching that, and that got me into it. So uh, Supergirl was coming up that same year, or at the end of the year, or something like that. And uh, I, I watched the premiere, and I was like, wow, I want to watch this. I'm going to continue watching this, because I was a big fan of Lois and Clark back in the day in the 90s. Okay. And uh, I was like, oh, Legends of Tomorrow. I'm like, oh, my God, Brandon Ralph's in this. Awesome. Because he plays, uh, you know, a, a major character in that, you know, the anime. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, Firestorm. And I was like, oh, my God, they're, they're pulling all these different characters. It's like I was never really into them in a comic book form, but I started getting mm-hmm. into it in the idea of watching shows, and it just kind of cool. br- brought me back to the days of when I was a little kid, and you had the Incredible Hulk, and then you had Wonder Woman <laughs> on the same night.
0: You know, yeah, you had yeah. Lou Ferrigno and and Linda Carter.
1: Yeah, well, it be better. it's like you got the one big cool big guy that you always wanted to be, and then you want yeah. the the great, beautiful woman you wanted to be with even though you were a little kid.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I remember those days.
1: (laughs) uh, I still remember those days. I just look (laughs) back at that. Yeah. But uh, the thing is, is that, you know, it's like I I started to appreciate DC a little bit more. You know, I did read Watchmen back in the day. I bought them when they first came out. I have, like, three copies of the first three issues. And then all the rest single – and they're all boarded and bagged like a typical nerd that I am
0: yeah i and wish it, I wish I had bought the comics when they came out. I do have uh one of the first printings of the uh uh or is it a reprinting it might be a reprinting that I bought of the 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 bound the the graphic novel when they bound it all together
1: oh, so okay. i have
0: I have one of those, but I think it was a reprinting of of it not uh, not the the only thing I have bagged and boarded. Uh, that, that I know uh, that I can remember, and I'd, I'd have to go back and find it from the 80s, is I have a first printing of the Dark Knight Returns series. Oh, I have
1: that, too. I have uh, them. I have two of issue one and two. Okay. <laughs> and I, they're boarded and bagged, and yeah. I have those, but I they uh, a year ago they came out with a Blu-ray.
0: I know. And, I watched and, the first one.
1: Yeah, and it has the the whole series on it, on, on this thing because it came in a big book where I work at. Oh, uh, I'm not gonna say BB, <laughs> but, but I work. I work at a company that does home theater and stuff like that, and uh, I wind up uh, buying that. And uh, you know, I was like, wow, this is the one I'm gonna read, and this is the one I'm gonna actually. And they had the death of Superman too, okay. Uh, and that that and with the Blu-ray and that from that version as well. And uh, to me. Quite honest, those were like the ones I sought after, as well as the Killing Joke uh, comic and the actual cartoon that came out.
0: Do you do you think they missed out on a, 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 and and maybe they'll still do it, but it's maybe too late now. They really should have had that narration that's in the that's in the comic book yes. that they didn't put on the Blu-ray. I really wish they had that on the Blu-ray. Yeah, and I remember listening to Kevin Smith uh, podcast about it. And he expected that they would that they would come out with a version with a narration is what he speculated. Yeah. But, but I guess they never have.
1: They, they never did. Uh, yeah, I wish they did, but you know, you, we want everything to be <laughs> tried and true to what actually what we read as kids or yeah. we were getting those comics at that time. But you know, sometimes you have to go into whatever is given to us, whether it be on a, a film format you know yeah. a lot of us didn't expect a captain america back in the 70s and the 80s <laughs> with a like a clear see-through wind, you know shield that went on his motorcycle with a motorcycle blue. yeah you know there are certain things that you know you got to like oh, overlook you know
0: yeah that's but, one and now that you bring that up that dark knight returns now obviously they would have to name it something else because of the christian bale movie mm but that would be an interesting movie series to do, uh, at least one movie, maybe two movies over that whole mini series of this aging. The idea of the aging Batman and the aging Superman, you know, uh, that is that have to do battle with mm, each other. That
1: could uh, be an alternate movie, you know, and, and I guess itself. they
0: yeah, I guess they did have aspects of it in Batman versus Superman now that I think about that cuz he wore that suit in Batman versus Superman didn't he that was very similar to the to the one he wore in Dark Knight Returns.
1: They were they were just trying to take snippets I think of key moments in comic book lore and put them in there. Kind of like the death right. of Superman in that movie and kind of like that whole uh that takedown in The Dark Knight uh um, right. Actual right comic. broke his um, back. Yeah. yeah and yeah. all that good stuff uh you know they could always do you know far right you know it's like look at what jeffrey d morgan said when i went to walker stalker new york new jersey recently and he kind of alluded that oh well i'm talking about this thing that's coming up and everybody knows that they're talking about flashpoint and in flashpoint
0: uh yeah, that's uh, the alternate reality one where yeah. where where Barry Thomas Allen. Wayne became yep. uh Batman. super uh, Batman, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Barry Allen goes back in time and finds out an alternate world where Thomas Wayne is Batman, and he's kind of like the vicious Batman that you you know really a vigilante yeah. with guns and everything else. Yeah. And
0: how? I, I, in fact, I was talking to somebody at work today. Uh, about how weird that was to see Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Lauren Cohan playing <laughs> well, Thomas and Martha <laughs> Wayne in Batman vs Superman, and then um, uh, to them in Walking Dead. You know, and you go, wait a minute, it's very different. <laughs> it
1: is very different. Uh, you know what? You know, you uh, you gotta suspend your disbelief at certain times with certain well, things. You just gotta like...
0: remember that these people are actors, and they have There's so, those their jobs. You know, yeah. so that they uh, they do different things, and just like a. They were talking in in one of the Facebook threads today. They were talking about uh, the different things that Jeffrey Dean Morgan has been in. You know, I watched him in Grey's Anatomy when I was when I used to watch Grey's Anatomy, and that's that's a show where I stopped watching when they uh, killed a major character. Um, (laughs) But I and uh, he played he was in Supernatural. I love the the TV show Supernatural. I've been a fan of that since the beginning. Uh, He played the father in that that series yeah um so uh and then he was in the good wife which i never watched the good wife but and of course he was in watchman as the comedian so yeah. you have all these different aspects of him um as an actor yeah. but uh, yeah. that's a show that if you haven't if you haven't checked it out you need to check out supernatural it's uh if you liked the x-files yeah you i think you'd like supernatural
1: so uh, that's what i was told actually i i was fixing somebody's tv at one for a job and the girl was completely into supernatural. And I said to her, I said, Oh, you're supernatural. She goes, yeah, I went to, I'll go to the cons and this and that and the other. And I'm like, Oh wow. I said, you're like me. And she goes, what do you mean? I go to walking dead convention. She goes, Oh my God.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But you know, the very beginning of supernatural and it's not, not as much now, but the the very beginning of supernatural, the same guys that did X-Files were involved in the beginning of supernatural, Eric Kripke and, uh, uh, a couple of the other producers and directors and writers uh were involved in supernatural at the very beginning and they even have several actors from the x-files that are in supernatural at different times so it's a like the i love gunman? it kind of like kind of like that yeah yeah uh, they wow. had uh 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 Mitch Pileggi uh played the maternal grandfather of the the main characters in supernatural um, he plays Skinner on X-Files. Uh, mm-hmm. the cigarette smoking man had a, a cameo and a couple of episodes. Um, I'm trying to think who else there's been two or three actors from there. And then there's a lot of writers and directors and producers from X-Files that are also involved with Supernatural.
1: Wow. Uh, I, I, I was told to check it out. I, there's so much TV. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. No, I, I agree.
1: <laughs> it's hard for us to all like pay attention.
0: Exactly, exactly. You got you got to pick what you're gonna what you're gonna spend your time on.
1: Yeah, so which kind of leads us to like you know we like I said we we are both Walking Dead fans, and then uh, the big stray away this week and the biggest uh, news this week is the deviation from the actual comic book itself from the walking dead onto the tv show so we kind of lost carl <laughs> well,
0: that's
1: <laughs> is, a blow too <laughs> it's a blow you know and it's like oh my god they he you know it's like uh spoiler in one two three four <laughs> five yeah carl got bit so uh in the mid-season finale at the very end he d- he kind of shows his dad you know rick's crying they are in the sewer, and he got bit. But the, needless to say, Carl saved Alexandria and saved a lot of people um, absolutely from the saviors. But in a comic book now, if you look at it, Carl is a huge character, and uh, he is actually rebuilding, taking care of, doing all these things, and Rick is the one that's the one that's ailing and falling apart.
0: And so I, I kind of had a thought on that as I heard I've heard people say that um, a lot about that Carl is so involved in later issues of the comic in in moving the story forward Correct. and um, I wonder if they're going to have and I don't know what the specific instances are but if it's a leadership kind of position I wonder if that's going to be if they're going to somehow be able to morph Daryl into taking that on that position and then maybe some of the other minor subplots that carl is involved in enid might take is is what i'm wondering i don't i haven't read the comics i have the first compendium uh, somewhere in my apartment and i read about up to the governor uh in his interaction with michonne and just passed that before I I and I haven't picked it back up since. Hmm. So it, it kind of makes me wonder and I got like literally have a, a coworker who watches The Walking Dead but he doesn't have cable so he has to watch it online the next day and uh he'll he texted me Monday afternoon after he finished it and was like, "No, Carl can't die." <laughs> and I'm like, "I know, but uh you know Scott Gimple he confirmed it on Talking Dead. One of the very first things he says on Talking Dead when they brought it up is he said it's gonna it's gonna work the process of the way we've seen bites work their process. So I I think that's obvious that he's he's gotta go. Yeah. You know, there's not gonna be you can't I mean where that bite is you can't necessarily cut, cut it, it away. <laughs> uh, which that was another one of those things that I never really understood what the point of that that was. I understand that it worked for Herschel, but I, it didn't work for Herschel because they cut his leg off. It worked for Herschel because they were able to keep him alive. Um, or I, I or I guess there is I guess there is another virus because remember everybody has the virus. Everybody, everybody has, has the.
1: Well, think about it. the The virus works this way, and this this is my theory. Uh-huh. where you get fit. it starts to attack wherever it is and spreads out. So okay. if it's on a arm by like your wrist, if you lop off by the elbow, it's not gonna if you get it chop off at by the elbow at that time, it's not gonna spread up the
0: And as long as the, you can I mean, keep the person alive
1: Exactly.
0: And not let them die from blood loss. Like that was the one thing about Herschel was they they had to cut off his leg and mm-hmm. then keep him from dying from blood loss. You know, yes, yes. Uh, and 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 so I, I guess there's something about the bite that accelerates the the putrefication, or uh, I guess it's kind I, of it's... like
1: a venom almost, where it's like you right. are – it's built into your body, your body chemistry, but it it's activated at that point, but it doesn't go. It starts at the bite format, and then it goes up. That's, sure, and depending on where
0: the neck. bite is, it, it could be. So I can I can see that. Like Bob was bitten in the in the shoulder. Yes. Uh, and you know, so Carl's bitten you know on his torso somewhere. And that
1: one guy in the prison was bitten on the neck, and then yeah, and then Carl was just like, "Oh no, I can't." Right. Because they right. can't. What well, you gonna? I'm gonna chop your head off.
0: Right, exactly, exactly.
1: So, but yeah, you know, that that was my feel- feeling about that because it all lends back to the original comic book series when Rick actually had to take off his arm, right, his right. hand or whatever.
0: Well, I thought his hand was chopped off by the governor in the in the ori- in the comic I, book.
1: I don't remember.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs>
1: it's been a long time, and I just yeah, it's like ja- Jamie Dimmick is the one that's the guru of the comics. Apparently, okay. uh, I I from what I remember. Usually it's an appendage that can be cut off where it can stop before it spreads anywhere else. So if you right. got on a hand, foot, leg, or whatever, you could chop it off and it won't go anywhere yeah. else. So they've done that before. Uh, I think they also actually did that to Dale at one point too. Until okay. And Dale got his other leg bit and then, you know, terminus people wound up eating him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, yeah so the fact that that they're killing off Carl makes it definitely and I, I like what you said earlier I was talking to somebody or I've had so many conversations over the last few days uh, <laughs> that this this understanding that they're finally I guess it was on Walking Deadcast actually with Jason and Karen that they made it the, the, the fact they pointed out the fact that that people some people are excited about the show now because now they they can split off from the, the comic book narrative. And even though they may still pull some things in, mm-hmm. there's going to – there's so much that they can't pull in directly from the comic that there's no longer – it's no longer a spoiler for yeah. somebody to tell you, oh, well, this happened in the comic. Exactly. Well, you know, that – you can't have that now because there's so – it's deviated so far from the source material that it's it's going to be different. It's – it's uh, so I, I, I like that. I'm excited about that, that, that uh, we're not going to have to worry about people saying, oh, this is a comic book spoiler – you know, uh,
1: <laughs> I I actually uh, tweeted Mr. Gimple the other day about that too. I'm oh like, yeah. So are we walking away from the uh, source material, sir? And I never got a response, but right. this is Scott M. Gimple, right? And the same thing from Mr. Robert Kirkman himself, who ignores me probably because he's like, "Oh great, another Kirkman heretic." Uh, so, um, regardless. My feeling is, it's like, it, it is beneficial in a sense that the the show can go a different direction. Um, plus, uh, I brought this up on Walker Stalker uh, podcast when Jason was on, and I was trying to get to the point of, if, you know, we've already seen certain things that they're doing writing-wise. They already stayed strict to the actual comic in some sense. Up into the point of Glenn's death, and that really hurt viewership. People right. are like I don't want to watch the show. You know, you know the typical GIF of like screw this, and they yeah. throw up the papers. Okay, you know, and and uh, the viewership has gone down as uh, as you know that Brian had mentioned probably with you when on when you were on with him. Uh-huh. It, it has gone down. Brian Malosh's uh, Walking Dead talk through. And uh, I was – you know, when I was on there, there wasn't as many down because we were only episode five at the time when I did it. Uh, but it's been going down, and uh, they're trying to change that. So think about that. The uh, They're doing this crossover, and everybody's thinking that Morgan's going to die at the end of the season. I don't think he's going to die. I think he's going to wind up getting into a, an argument with Rick, and then he's going to wind up saying – I'm gonna go walk, and he's gonna be like Kane from Kung Fu, and walk yeah. down. To yeah, Texas. Th- that's
0: kind of what that's kind of <laughs> what we talked. What we talked about is we kind of saw, saw the same thing uh, when I was on Brian's podcast because the timeline doesn't really work out for a past version of Morgan to be in Texas and still get back to Virginia. Exactly in the in the time frame that he had. It just doesn't work out. It doesn't. It wouldn't make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense, you know, to for that to happen. So the the, the most obvious thing to me, and I, I agree with Brian on this, is that they're they're going to sync up the the two show the two shows are going to become synced up at least or pretty close to being synced up in their timelines when they if if Walking Dead does this time jump and some of us were hoping they would do the time jump. At the mid-season finale or, or the the mid-season premiere, now it looks more like what we're going to see is that time jump is going to happen at the end of the season, and so then when the when the fear season starts, you know Morgan will be there in wherever fear is uh, not filmed, but wherever fear is going to be based, yeah, he'll be there, and it'll be the 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 up to the moment whenever. That is, You know, if it's six months after he leaves, for whatever reason, he leaves the Prime series. And now, as there was an article a couple weeks ago about how the fact that they're turning the – you know, when they originally talked about Fear, they said it wasn't going to be a spinoff, that it was going to be a stand its own show with nothing – with no context to the other show, to the Prime show. It looks like they're morphing it into an actual spinoff
1: they to are. where
0: it actually will be. So it'll be interesting to see what what that reason is, and one of the things that we proposed on – I don't remember who it was who brought it up first – was that maybe there's some sort of communication link that occurs between a group that's working – that's in the fear world with the prime world, and that's what brings Morgan. They say, oh, we're going to send Morgan to go look for this whatever. You know, like they hear a radio broadcast from wherever fear is gonna be based, whether they base it Austin, Houston, or some other Texas town or Mexico town or whatever, and they're gonna send Morgan to go check it out. It's they are still gonna to have to figure out a way uh, uh, they're gonna to have to well write it well. Let me speak that way. They're gonna to need to write it well to get him to figure out to for the leave. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's I brought that up to Brian a long time ago, and he goes, he, he goes, you've been the advocate for this for a while. I'm like, yeah, because it doesn't add up. Because if you look at the whole thing when he met the cheesemaker and mm-hmm. when Rick went back to the town and, to, and he saw Morgan there, and it looked like Morgan hadn't left for a long, long time. Right. And he lost his son, and it was within the town. She crept on him. His, his wife crept on his son. And ate right. him and all that, so it, it. I I don't see it happening. It's got to be something where at the end of the season in season eight of Walking Dead, they do a time jump, and the way they left off, uh, Fear of the Walking Dead looked like it could go to another its own time jump, right? So that they both collide at the same time, or uh, like maybe. When Fear comes out, and it comes out in August, I think, right, uh, it might be ahead of of Walking Dead, meaning that Morgan would have to leave at the very end of this season to jump onto the next season of Fear.
0: Right, and the thing is, the time jump doesn't have to be that big of a jump. Like I, I guess I don't again I don't walk, read the comics so wasn't the the comic time jump was several years?
1: It was three years. Uh, it was only three.
0: Years. Okay, it was only three years. So yeah, so that would be that would make more sense because if let's and I, I saw a timeline just a week or so ago that said where we're at right now in season eight is about th- less than is still less than three years into. The, the zombie apocalypse. Okay. Yes. If, if zero, if, if, if we take zero hour as when fear starts, okay. Fear starts about six months or so uh, before prim- the prime show. If, if, if it didn't spread that fast, like, like, I guess the guy in the CDC says it spread pretty fast. So depending on how long Rick was in a coma, there really might only be about six months or so to a year difference between the fear timeline and the prime timeline, hmm. you know, cause I don't know how far we are, how far fear is in the timeline. Are they a year in or are they not quite a year in?
1: Uh, I
0: haven't, I haven't watched it. So
1: my feeling is, is I'm thinking it's about a year, year and a half in Right, meaning that it would have to be a significant time jump.
0: Them, right? for them. Right. If they if they do a 3 year, especially if they do a 3 year jump for but if they only do like a 6 month jump or an 8 or a year jump for the prime show. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Especially if car if Carter, if Chandler dies, okay? <laughs> if 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 Chandler's character is taken out Carl's character is taken out. Now we only we can jump it a year and you only have to find another actress really for Judith. And they've been they've been having different actresses for Judith all along, anyway.
1: Exactly.
0: So you know, Chandler. This is what I said on Brian's podcast was really Carl Chandler Riggs is as an actor was the only one who really gave us any kind of a gauge of age. Right, and they never, and they were so vague at it because he aged, you know. Eight years
1: exponentially, you know. (laughs) Yeah,
0: in a three-year time period, so do
1: grow. The thing is, is (laughs) like, but he was he started at ten. Technically, he's supposed to be about fourteen at this point, right? What kid does a great growth spurt within those four years? Thanks, everybody, for tuning into Panels to Pixels. We really appreciate it. Uh, If you have any feedback that you would like to give us, feel free to go back onto our Facebook page comment, uh, give any information that you would like for us to actually podcast about, or any information of comics that you like to do, uh, any letters, anything that you would like to talk about. Uh, We are currently looking for other people to talk on this podcast, so just comment or email us at panels2pixels1 at gmail.com. I will reply in both comment and email. And uh, we could uh, communicate that way. Uh, All I ask is you guys keep listening and keep reading those comics and watching those shows that we all love. Uh, Until then, I'll see you guys at a later time.